Oh, hey, Maureen. Uh, it's been two weeks. Anything happen? Nope. Welcome to Says Who, the podcast that isn't a podcast. It's a coping strategy. I'm Dan Sinker. And I am Maureen Johnson. And Maureen, when we last spoke, you wrote down your predictions of what was going to happen in the two weeks between episodes. Yep. And I mailed them to you? You sure did. I have them right here written on the back of the envelope where the seal would be. It says sealed 5-18-17, a.m. Eastern Time. Now, I can't remember exactly what I wrote, but I know there are two things. Uh, one is that I didn't fully take into account the fact that he was going on this trip. So that's going to matter. And the second is that I, d- I do remember I put a long-term prediction in there. So All right. let's, let's see how I did. All right, I'm opening it up. Oh, boy. All right. Here we go. Ooh, on, on Maureen Johnson letterhead. That's right. Predictions. Number one, someone from the White House press group vanishes during foreign trip, likely Spicer. Mm. That didn't happen. I mean, in a figurative vanish, he sure didn't show up much. And he didn't get to see the Pope. <laughs> no, he didn't. And he's the only Catholic on the team. I a very devout Catholic, yeah. Uh, so that's a little I, bit true. Is that do what, what 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 verdict? I'd give that a I'd give that a, a a mid range. Okay. All right. Number two, Flynn sings. He sings. His song is better and about Mike Pence. Oh, bitter. Sorry, my handwriting. That's bitter. Oh, yeah. It's, it's bitter. I thought you just meant it. he had a really good voice. He probably does. He has not sung. He did the opposite, in fact. Yeah. He uh he he declared uh he he, he plead the fifth in advance, and he will not appear in front of uh in front of the the Senate subcommittee that pulled him in. So that's a fail. All right, Kellyanne quits. No, but she stayed behind. I mean, she's been invisible for quite a while. But she didn't quit, so. Not doing well. Paul Ryan, man, the, you were very optimistic when you wrote these. Look, I'm a dreamer. Paul Ryan, facing the inevitable, finally flips. Hmm. That definitely did not happen. I didn't take into account this whole, you know, kind of pause button that we hit. I think you also didn't take into account the fact that these people are terrible. Yeah, both of those things together, probably. All right, number five, two more Comey memos emerge. Damn it, nothing. But we got, uh, I mean, there were certainly more uh, Comey-esque news drops, right? We got more information around kind of what the FBI is looking into. We got more information around kind of additional bits and pieces. So I'm going to, they weren't necessarily the memos, but the repercussions of the Comey memos are, are there. I really thought there'd be like actual new information like the memo. Number six, White House press briefings stop. Well, yeah. I mean, they, they did not do traditional briefings on the tour, but more so they are now kind of making moves and mention that they may radically rethink how they do press briefings. I'm going to give you that one. Okay. Uh, number seven. Oh, this is a little longer term. Trump resigns in June, citing everyone being mean to him. 
I'm st- I'm sticking by it. I I don't know about the timing, but I firmly believe that we will see him resign long before we see him impeached. And the everyone being mean to him will be, definitely be the reason why. I have said all along since he started, since he got in office in January, I I for whatever reason said I think that he is dislodged in June. Oh, that would be great cuz that would mean we would go to Disney. It's real hot in June there. So I can take the heat. <laughs> I'm saying it's nice in the if fall. If it means Trump resigns, I will sweat my ass off in Florida. I'll, I'll wear a hat. Uh, and finally, Dan eats a little too much pie but regrets nothing. You uh, didn't just predict that one. You made it happen. You sent me a, a large number of pies in the mail, and I I ate too many of them. I forgot that I, I didn't re- remember <laughs> that I wrote that one down, so... I didn't realize I was weighting myself in that way, but I, I regret nothing. <sighs> it was really good pie, by the way. Thank you for that. Yeah. Well, you needed some pie. I think the thing that's I think the thing that's hardest looking at yours and just the thing that I think that everyone struggles with with this cr- group of cronies is like pushing toward what a good person would do. You know, like like so many of yours are like, you know what? These people finally gave up and quit, which is what if you had a conscious, right? If you had some level of semblance of right and wrong or you weren't just so deep into this pit that you couldn't see a way out. Like, that's what most people would do. And th- like that, I think, is what's so hard about predicting this stuff is that this is not the mindset of good people. Well, I mean, I think that the reason I was so off was because it wasn't sort of a normal nine days. Yeah. Because he was gone. It's true. And it was it was like having your weird because I live in New York and I used to have I don't want to go into too much detail, but I used to have a super strange neighbor upstairs. Like this neighbor was the literally the bane of my existence and she was i'm sorry she was downstairs and she was uh highly unstable and was obsessed with me and would leave these notes like these really strange notes under my door and she would call security on she used to call security on me even when i wasn't there i once got a call when i was in england saying that my neighbor thought i was making no, like it was a real Whoa. issue, and she is like a known issue in our where I live. And she, um, she, <laughs> she used to have security come and sit in her apartment for hours at a time just to listen to the walls with her. Like it was, it was a real, it was a real problem. And when I say I feel strongly like he was a neighbor that went away, and we got some peace and quiet, like I say it with great emotion so uh we are recording this on uh monday the 29th uh memorial day actually of may and uh so he kind of just re-emerged yesterday right like he landed got his tweeter back and yeah it was there was definitely that feeling i had really strongly of like waking up and realizing that he had gone on a little twitter shit fit and just like that feeling of waking up with that dread it was like oh wait i haven't had this for a week you know like he's been like his twitter was totally taken away probably he was just too tired but oh my god when it came back it was just like oh oh right that yeah but i mean our president 
was away on National Lampoon's presidential vacation. And it was very exciting. Now, we didn't hear much from the president himself because his handlers scheduled him very carefully so that he wouldn't have what many sources have, that, that he had what sources have called limited screen time. So they kept him busy so that he couldn't, he couldn't tweet too much. And he didn't get to watch his news. And he didn't get to sit in front of his big TV with his snacks. And I think he was, you know, he was probably itchy and, you know, he didn't, he was, didn't seem to be having a lot of fun. But first, he went to Saudi Arabia. He had a lot of fun in Saudi Arabia, though. They know, they knew their audience. They spent $68 million to, uh, to entertain Trump and he loved it. Oh, yeah. They understand. It was... It was remarkable how much it was like he is at home with the Saudi royal family. Oh, but that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, it does. It does. Oh, God, it does. They, um, they gave him a giant gold necklace. They had him touch a, a glowing orb. All hail the glow orb. All hail the glow orb. And one of my personal favorites is they, they brought in Toby Keith... He of the, you know, we're America, we're going to kick ass songs, post 9-11 songs. And they had a concert that no women could attend. And I just want to thank you all for standing up for freedom. Stand up and fight for you. Yeah. I once, I, I once saw that song uh, performed by the Bellagio's Dancing Fountains. <laughs> it really did make me love America a lot at that moment. <laughs> Um, obviously it says who we care a lot about what he's eating. Um, now in Saudi Arabia, his host went well out of their way to make sure his tastes were accommodated. So they always had ketchup on hand and they served him well done steak because that's what he eats. That's the only thing he eats. They stacked his trip. But the thing is, I think they stacked it the wrong way. Like they, they put all the stuff that he would like at the beginning. Yeah. They they miscalculated that trip design. But he was pooped out by day. Like he didn't he didn't go. It was like a a conference on social media, and Ivanka went because he was too exhausted. He was too exhausted. Oh. Although I really think he um he needed to go try to poo on the plane. I know that you're you're you've you strongly believe that that was the. I I have taken down my entire Russia conspiracy wall and replaced it entirely with a Trump is a home pooper conspiracy oh. wall. And Maureen, he is definitely a home pooper. This is upsetting. It's very upsetting. He, I I firmly believe he had to cut because they were like, just try on the plane. <laughs> just we need you to try on the plane. This you're you're talking as a parent of a small child. I am. Very much so. Like, before you embark on a big trip, it's like, do you need to go? Because it's going to be harder once we're all going. Just try now. It's a lot easier at home. But no, he's a committed home pooper. Absolutely. Well, he went to Israel from there, and there were lots of wonderful moments. He sat down with President Netanyahu, and he said that he'd just gotten back from the Middle East. This remark caused one member of his entourage to literally turn and facepalm. <laughs> oh, He's so embarrassing all the time. 
Uh, he also blurted out that, you know, when they were talking, I don't know what they were talking about. I don't think they were talking about anything directly, but he was like, I didn't even mention Israel when I was giving Russia intelligence. I didn't even mention that. So yeah, that was just purely it, like the video. As far as I can tell, they did like a very minimal answering reporters questions and it was done. And like you can see people being like, OK, we're done. And people start turning around and no one's even really shouting questions. Uh, and he just turns around and is like, I just I did not say Israel. I, I did not tell the Russians it was Israel. Which, of course, told everyone that it was Israel. Now, in Israel, food wise, there was a similar but different effort made. So they had a dinner at home with, with uh, President Netanyahu and they brought in a celebrity chef and he made hamburger sliders, steak with barbecue sauce and a molten chocolate cake sprinkled with edible gold leaf. Yeah, sure. Because everything is literal. Oh, wait, wait, then he went to Italy. Where uh, now the trip is starting to go a little bit downhill. He's tired. He's saying weird things. He met with a visibly unimpressed Pope. Yeah, that picture of, of Ivanka and Melania and him and the Pope. And everyone is just so dour until you see Trump, who's got his like little shit eating devil grin on. But the Pope, like the Pope was just you could see the like somebody get me out of here yeah. on his face. Yeah, not impressed and not not surprising, considering that, you know, Trump had said things like, you know, that I hope he gets bombed by ISIS and things like that. So, you know, it's yeah, Trump had spent a good chunk of the. Of the campaign baiting the Pope. Yeah. Early in the campaign, someone finally told him, like, maybe not do the Pope. But, um, but yeah, it's all there. I couldn't find much about what he ate there. But the Pope did say something to Melania, like, hey, what are you feeding him, cake? <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, there's that. Uh... There's that. Uh, things got progressively worse. So he was he was in Belgium and he went back to Italy where he had to speak to other world leaders, various European leaders. Um, this is where the trip really starts to degrade. He gets into a handshake war with the president of France. Two handshake wars with the president of France, of which the president of France won both of them. Yeah. And Angela Merkel tried to show him a map and explain what the Russian plan was. Like, basically... Like literally, like Jesus. this is what this is what your abuse to look like. Here's what it looks like now. Uh, in perhaps the worst move of the and you know there are a lot of bad moves, but he failed to affirm Article Five of the NATO Treaty, which yep. you know in which countries um, pledge to stick together in the event of an attack, and that is the the thing that has held the peace of Europe together for seventy years following. World War Two. So, I mean, so then all the other foreign leaders walked together and then he tra traveled alone behind them in a golf cart for 700 yards because he couldn't walk the seven. You know, he had to travel in his golf cart. And it's also likely that he's going to pull us out of the Paris Climate Treaty. But he didn't do it to their face. No. Like that's he announced uh, that was one of the first tweets that he did once he was was finally given back his phone or, or you know, back in on U.S. soil was, oh, he'll announce his Paris Accord decision next week, which like that is such a little chicken shit move. 
You know, like I'm not going to say it at the meeting that that we're not in. But uh but I will say that I'm going to say it. Like, ugh. Yeah. No, this ugh. is this is all serious business and you know, Germany has now said that we they can't count on the US as an ally that between Trump and Brexit that Germany really feels like it's on its own and like we're undoing decades of of peace we're undoing we're we're how so for all the people it's like give him a chance look at how i mean we knew that was a stupid thing to say but this is what he's managed to undo in four months yeah the i mean the things that he's proposing to undo are the united states healthcare system the entire united states infrastructure the entire sort of security stability of the united states uh international peace and uh all progress on climate change so plus all of the things that will be defunded research uh just across the board every in, a, in all directions so how much the entire social safety net how much can he you know, undo any well, sane immigration policy well he hasn't blown up the moon yet so i mean but give it a month so the short answer was uh, I don't know what to tell you because I know this is about coping and some of you probably have no people that are, just give them a chance. You know, well, you guys, take a deep breath. Uh, um, we're, we're your friends. Um, have a nice cool drink. You know, take a nice... <laughs> I don't know what to tell you. We all got to stick together. Well, when I couldn't find out what he ate in Europe, because I, I guess that they probably made him eat like an adult, but I was trying to find out and I found an article in the New York Times called Golf Business and Meatloaf. And it was a profile of Donald Trump from May 21st, 2010. Oh, wow. That I, I found our food quote of the week, I think. And it's where they kind of talk you through a typical day or a Sunday or something. And the whole thing is worth reading. It's, it's amazing. But there was one you know, dinner at home. He says, I get home at six or seven or eight. I have dinner with Melania and Baron. She's a good cook. She has a lot of imagination. She makes spaghetti and meat sauce. She makes chef salads. She loves salads. Sometimes she makes meatloaf. <laughs> oh, no. I'm going to go. I'm just going to go. I mean... <laughs> Everything's right there. She's very creative. She makes spaghetti and meat sauce. That's everything you need to know. Like, yeah, she has a lot of imagination. And then he goes on to list, like, the food that is in a baby book. Yeah. <laughs> like, 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 the, the, like, he goes on to list spaghetti and salad and meatloaf. Like, those are, like... The international symbols for food. Yeah. Yeah. And also, meatloaf should, and I'm not saying you should take down your conspir conspiracy walls. Keep them up. And at the center of all of them, you have your own theory about what should be at the center. Mine is meatloaf. Because everything about all these people seems to come back to meatloaf. Also, it'll block you up. Oh, God. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> uh. I mean, I, the thing about the food is just, 
Like the idea that the 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 president of America traveled the world and everyone had to serve him burnt steak or hamburger sliders or chocolate cake or there was a I forget what he was talking about, but in the context he went off the rails for a minute to discuss how good the chocolate he got in Belgium was. And it's like just had this just total mind picture of him with like you know, eating little chocolate bits and having chocolate on his fingers and licking his fingers. And it's just like, Jesus Christ, like he's a 70-year-old man. Yeah, that's the thing, the food stuff. We've gone into his food choices before and beyond just saying that they're bad. And like to some extent, who cares if they're bad? But what matters is that he's got a closed mind and a false sense of what things are and how they're made. And in the case of this foreign trip, he cannot acknowledge or respect the culture that he's visiting. They have to accommodate him by ruining food and covering it in ketchup. And food is a critical part of culture and identity. And by showing up and demanding your burnt steak and your ketchup, you don't only just seem like a weird, closed-minded adult child. You are failing on a basic level to respect the place you're visiting and literally refusing to take it in. Food does tell you a lot. I mean, I don't care. Like... Eat what you want. I don't mind talking about snobbery or anything like that, but it, it does signify certain things, and it is literally a refusal. We, he is the ultimate ugly American. He is the ultimate bad representative who goes over and has his big soda and his burnt steak, and he could have, you know, instead of the... Food is about hospitality. Uh, from a man who's supposed to own hotels and understand the hospitality industry. It's about being gracious. It's about appreciating another culture. And instead, this is the representative that we've sent. And we all know it's terrible. And I know that you're... I'm not telling you guys anything you don't know. No. Look, I just... I, um, everything is bad. Not everything is bad, Morning. I don't believe you. It's true, because one of our says who dreams, Maureen, has come true. We're going to Disney World? Not that. We have had a long time list uh, for this show going, uh, one of which is called Long Shot, Ambitious, or Dumb Ideas. And Maureen, the very first thing on there is, a, is an episode on a boat outside Mar-a-Lago. Now, that always felt like a long shot, in part because I assume if you park a boat outside Mar-a-Lago, you're going to get shot. But we wrote it down because it's good to put, you know, put your dreams down on paper so that you can maybe achieve them. And then last week, we turned on the internet to find that three journalists representing ProPublica and Gizmodo got on a boat and sat outside Mar-a-Lago in order to discover that nothing, nothing in the world is more insecure than the wireless networks of what Trump keeps calling the Southern White House. Maureen, I will admit, I freaked out a little when I saw this article. Yep. You did. I got, I got very excited. It was like your beard fell off and you had to put it back on again. This is happening, Maureen. We have all three journalists 
from ProPublica and Gizmodo to talk about life on a boat outside Mar-a-Lago. So this is the first time it says who that we've had a crowd in to interview. And so I think that before we begin, can I ask each of you to just say who you are and what you do? Yep, I'm Jeff Larson. I'm a reporter at ProPublica. I'm Julia Angwin. I'm a senior reporter at ProPublica. I'm Surya Matu. I'm a data reporter at Gizmodo. The article you all wrote opens... Two weeks ago, on a sparkling spring morning, we went trawling along Florida's coastal waterway, but not for fish. <laughs> we parked We parked a 17-foot motorboat in a lagoon about 800 feet from the back lawn of the Mar-a-Lago Club in Palm Beach and pointed a two-foot wireless antenna that resembled a potato gun toward the club. Within a minute, we spotted three weekly encrypted Wi-Fi networks. We could have hacked them in less than five minutes, but we refrained. No, there's a lot to talk about there. <laughs> but, but to start, uh, I want to do the kind of proverbial record scratch. And how did we get here? You know, how, how, what was the process that landed you in a boat pointing a gun at Mar-a-Lago? Potato well, gun. I mean, there was, there was arguing when we were editing it over whether or not we should call it a mortar barrel which I was fundamentally <laughs> opposed to, but one of our editors couldn't figure out what a potato gun was. You know, I mean, it started like all things. <clears throat> I was talking to my editor and I told him six stupid ideas and the seventh one was the least stupid. And he was like, get on a plane right now <laughs> to Mar-a-Lago. Um, so, <laughs> which which happens. And, uh, you know, I said that we needed Surya... Uh, I, I sort of kid a little bit, but this is something, you know, Politico had written a story about how spies could infiltrate Mar-a-Lago, but didn't really have, you know, the facts. And in order to figure out if that's actually possible, we needed a boat and a potato gun looking thing. Can I also back us up a little bit to... <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> so... This, this is how stories happen with Jeff. Basically, comes in in the morning. He was like, I was up all night and I figured out this thing. And we call this like the Jeff vision quest. And so <laughs> essentially, he comes in. He's like, so I was just curious, like, what kind of like software the Trump hotels and Mar-a-Lago were using. So I just looked around. I saw this one. Uh, they use this club software and immediately I could figure out just from sitting at my desk in New York that it was just, you know, completely insecure. Showed like different ways you could like that, you know, they had an unencrypted admin login page and um, they had all sorts of databases that were on the web that were pretty, looked like they could be easy to access and they had training manuals about how you could get in. And so this was the germ of the story, right? And like, you could definitely write a story sitting at your desk in New York and just be like, whoa, man, that's no good. But obviously within three seconds of thinking of that, we we're like, well, <laughs> wouldn't it be fun 
<laughs> to go down and add a little spice because there's no, you can't, the lead of the story where you're like, I'm sitting at my desk and I can see the Mar-a-Lago admin login page. It's just not as exciting. <laughs> <laughs> and so we already knew, like, so the truth is like, we already knew there was a story. And so then Jeff called our editor and he was like, Hey, you know, this is interesting but it'd be more fun if we go drive around and see if there's any open Wi-Fi networks. And to be fair, our, our editor doesn't know, I think even to this day, what an open Wi-Fi network is, although he's a really smart guy. But <laughs> he definitely was like, well, if you could do on the ground, you're going to get color. So that's good. So let's do it. And so that's the backing up, which is that Jeff already had a story and he tends to undersell what he has. It's like he already had in his pocket a full-on story and this was going to be frosting. Yeah, sure. I see that. I mean, also, uh, it's a good way, bringing Surya and his Wi-Fi potato gun is a good way to do a reporting trip without actually having to talk to anybody, which I'm a huge fan <laughs> of. So, <laughs> Strongly I <mean>, agree. <laughs> but after we came back, um, we decided to then go to um, his club in Bedminster. Um uh, where he's been spending his time, I guess, apparently yelling at his PR staff, um, you know, since Mar-a-Lago closed. And we actually found ourselves directly on the golf course, <laughs> um, pointing a cannon at um, in between, like golf carts were passing us on the left and pointing our Wi-Fi antenna. I guess stop calling it a cannon. Um, pointing our Wi-Fi antenna at the Trump club there and saw even more open Wi-Fi networks. Just in case there are listeners that don't understand the significance of an open, open Wi-Fi network, is it possible to get that in like a sentence or two? Yeah. So we talked to a bunch of, um, so obviously we found all of this stuff and we talked to a bunch of, you know, cybersecurity experts and people who, who actually do work with intelligence agencies from time to time. And they said that an open Wi-Fi network is a death knell for cybersecurity, essentially. Um, anybody who can get on to that network can turn all of the devices around the president of the United States into listening or espionage devices. So they can spy on sensitive conversations. So if you think back to the picture in February where everybody was on the Mar-a-Lago um, sort of deck looking at, um, you know, freaking out about the uh, North Korea missile launch, you know, the, the um, uh, prime minister of Japan and, and Trump aides, they were all looking at it with their phones. The theory being, if you have weak cybersecurity, people can take over those phones and turn them into listening devices to listen in on those conversations. And also, one of the other things that they always say when you're looking at like the security, like network security of a place, is that your your network is only as secure as your weakest device. So if you have an open network, you can basically just wait and sit on it till you find a weak, like you know, like an admin or someone who comes in who's not got very good security, and then you can break into more systems through that. So it's not like it's just that you have a low. It's not just like you have a low. Like you know, you get in and it's done. But someone and like this is this is like one of the things that we discussed through working on the story is that we're not saying that this is incredibly terrible Wi-Fi for like a regular hotel. Like it's not incredibly terrible network security for for like a regular hotel or resort. 
But it is terrible if the president of the United States is going to these places and conducting official it, business you know, there. The Southern White House, you know, right. as he is right. on calling it. Right. Exactly. So the thing that, like, there's weak network security, but it, I like the image of you all sitting in a boat outside Mar-a-Lago, pointing a large gun-like antenna toward it, or driving through the golf course pointing a gun-like antenna at the club, that's not just weak network security. (laughs) (laughs) We drove through the golf course two days before the president of the United States was going to go there and hang out, right? No, not a single person stopped us. Um, uh, We got weird looks. We got passed on. We almost, yeah, we got passed on the left by a golf cart and they didn't even look at us. Um, So yeah, that's troubling as well. And, uh, you know, we actually needed to check the positioning of a sign after the fact. And so we drove back out there and did it again. Um, and no one stopped us even after we told the Trump organization that we had done such a thing. So that's also very, very troubling. Um, yeah. Yeah. And I think like that's the thing that like to me was like, was more terrifying is that when we were driving around these, like we were just looking for other places for comparison, right? So we were looking on street, like uh, on street view for at Camp David. And like, you don't even know where it is exactly, right? When you're looking at it from like the street is like this massive cordoned off area where no one can get to it. We're like, we can just like walk here. It's just fine. No one's really like, I guess the president comes here, but on days he's not here. This is just a place people hang out. And something, something about that just felt very strange when thinking about how pre-Trump I thought about presidential security and what it means to what it looks like now. It just kind of makes very little sense. Yeah, I re- you know, I've, I've watched stuff about the Secret Service and how they plan every, every time the president moves. You know, they have to sound on an advance team. They, you know, it takes weeks for him to go anywhere. Right. <laughs> so, so what is happening? <laughs> I don't, it's, it, it's unclear. I mean, it's really unclear. We, I mean, for comparison, we did walk around with our, our uh, you know, it's a Wi-Fi scanning app on our phones around the White House. We did look at, you know, satellite imagery of, of Camp David. They spend, you know, yeah, I think the White House communications budget is sixty million. Two million of it is 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 uh, on cybersecurity alone. And in two thousand fifteen, when the Russians hacked them, they literally threw everything in the trash. Right? Um, I don't believe that uh, any of uh, if 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 the Trump organization ever gets hacked, that they're going to throw anything in the trash. In in fact, we know that because they were hacked. This is not a hypothetical, right? They were super, super hyper hacked. 70,000 um, or tens of thousands of credit card numbers were stolen from Trump hotels. And they, they neglected to inform anybody for years, right? For, and, uh, including including um, 302 social security numbers, just as like frosting on the cake of people who owned apartments in the Trump hotels. 
Um, and the New York AG ended up fining him $50,000. But um, this sort of poor security, like Surya said, is maybe okay for a hotel, but for the president and for people around the president, I don't know, man. It's but I think it's not even okay for a hotel because the New York AG doesn't take every data breach case that they get because everyone's being hacked all the time. Like Trump Hotels was so bad that they put in the effort to get this measly $50,000 fine. So the truth is that like Trump is already on the low end, as far as what we can tell, of of hotels because actually not it, it takes a lot to get an eg to go after you and so yeah, i think i think that actually came out sorry it came out because the credit card companies kept seeing that the sources of the credit cards that were being uh, reported as stolen all the last valid transaction was always the trump hotel <laughs> yeah <laughs> also i think it's, we haven't adequately explored the whole scene that i want to recount for you not having been there but where they're like, they're driving up and down Mar-a-Lago and trying to figure out a place to park to, you know, get a clear line of sight so they can just check on the open Wi-Fi networks. And this street, I don't know if you guys have been to Palm Beach, but it's lined by these big shrubs and there's nowhere to pull over. And so we had scoped out a few parking lots we thought might have a line of sight. None of them did. And so this crazy thing happens where I want Surya and Jeff to to recount it, but basically where Surya says should we rent a boat? And then it turns out Jeff was like, oh, accidentally, by the way, I'm a boat captain. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. So, yeah, this this open Wi-Fi network was like our white whale, right? Like, we couldn't, we could see that there was an open Wi-Fi network and we really, really wanted to get on it and see what it was. Um, and so we went, I think we went to go, did we go eat or no we were driving back to our hotel no 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 no, no, no. we weren't driving back we were so desperately trying to find a spot we could stop and look and look for this network that we, we went across the water over the bridge and stopped on the other side and we could we were just sitting there and you were like excited about an iguana or something you saw on the on the road and were like walking around taking a picture for your daughter there were two giant iguanas they were like yeah. they were the biggest iguanas ever so i leave you yeah. alone so, yeah so jeff is chasing iguanas <laughs> <laughs> and uh and i was just sitting there and i just i was just like thinking about places we could go and the only like and i was looking at the map and the only place left was the water so it wasn't like i didn't think how funny or dramatic it sounded to say let's go on a boat Till much after we did it, because it just seemed like ah, the only place we have not significantly like scanned their Wi-Fi from is this from this face, which presumably will have good network because that's where people actually all the guests actually stay. So we should be it makes sense if we can get on the water to do that. We're like we're driving around anyway. We have nothing else to do. We might as well go on the water. So yeah, he asked me if I if I um. We drove a boat, and then we Google searched for where to rent boats in Palm Beach that are not gigantic, and drove up there and talked to the guy. Um, and it's really easy to rent a boat; like, there's no quiz. The next day, uh, we, you know, we wake up early. We went and bought some hats. <laughs> you know, we're going on a reporting trip, so we have to wear collared shirts and, um, you know, jeans and look like reporters and wander around. Um, we didn't have any hats, so we bought some. Sirius hat says crew, and my hat says um, 
the captain is always right and I'm the captain, which, you know, I thought was cheesy. <laughs> Um, Again, and we have, no one uh, is thinking about this going on to any of this reporting we're actually going to do. <laughs> yeah. No one actually knew. We didn't clear it ahead of time either. We just rented the boat. <laughs> no one knew we went on the boat until after we went on the boat. Oh, no, that's not true. We called it. We, we yeah. signaled everybody. We sent everybody text messages with pictures of our hats um, <laughs> and let them figure out what was happening. <laughs> and then yeah the next morning we we go and we get on the boat and um uh you know the guy explicitly tells us not to go to mar-a-lago because we'll be hassled so that adds a little bit of intrigue he's like everybody who goes down there gets stopped by the coast guard it's a whole thing don't ever go anywhere near to anywhere near there and syria i don't think you've ever been on a boat this small right no, I, I have not <laughs> It was exciting. Never ever. It's the first time. Yeah, Syria was a little green when we got on the boat. <laughs> I was. And I, I was, was a little more concerned to... because I had my laptop and all my shit on me. And like, like oh, yeah, the water actually comes into the boat. Huh? I didn't think about that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it was very splashy. Yeah. And then so we, we had two hours, I think, booked. And it was like 40 minutes each way. So we had to go really, really fast fast down there <laughs> so as soon as we got into the intercoastal i um floored it and then the canopy flew off the boat <laughs> yep, the guy like flew literally broke right off <laughs> <laughs> yep, that and so that. and so we had to stop and like fight with the canopy right like like in front of people whose actually actual jobs it is to uh to drive like gigantic yachts and stuff and they were all standing there cross with their arms crossed like frowning at us and being like these guys what are they even doing <laughs> <laughs> so we fixed the canopy yeah we fixed the canopy and made it all the way down there and scanned for a long time um and we couldn't get super close because there was a sandbar and we were worried about it running aground <laughs> I like that that was the thing that stopped you from getting close. (laughs) (laughs) It was not security. It was not, you know, people with guns. It was a sandbar. But it's because there were people like fishing where we were. You know, it's like, okay, we we are at least like being very upfront about what we're doing on this if someone actually looks at us. But real spies probably do that shit all the time. I mean, that's the thing that I keep coming back to. Like, no offense to ProPublica, but you guys are a nonprofit news organization, right. right? Like, you don't have, you don't have all the budget in the world, right? Like, there are multiple governments that have all the budget in the world. Right. Like, Jesus. But yeah, no, uh, you know, a real spy agency number one would have better hats and the correct gear, and probably scuba tanks or something. Um, but sorry, why did we end up leaving Mar-a-Lago? Do you remember? So we finally ended up leaving because we saw a plane flying overhead and we were like, this obviously is an FBI surveillance plane. So, so we were like, <laughs> and normally, normally in those situations, I'm pretty careful and I keep my software defined radio handy to listen to all the planes close by so that I can see, I can look them up against flight tracker. 
but because we were like you know doing this Wi-Fi thing, I wasn't paying attention to it. So we, we were both kind of freaked out that okay, this is potentially someone watching us. So we went back, and then we and then we went back, and we wait. Went, hold uh, on, sorry. Did you just say I forgot to? I was like so busy surveilling Mar-a-Lago that I forgot to activate my FBI airplane counter surveillance <laughs> techniques. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so you just said. <laughs> yeah. Oh sure. my god, that's so awesome. I mean, you call it you call it surveillance techniques. I just call it wave scanning. You know, like it's just like so yeah. like I just like to keep an eye out for what's happening. Um, but then well, we it turned out, out. Yeah, yeah. Go ahead, yeah. yeah. It turned out so we got super freaked out because we also thought in our minds that we were number one, way cooler than we were, and number two, <laughs> that obviously, like it's going to be crawling with CIA agents and snipers and like, you know, people with like bazookas or whatever at all times. So we were thinking like, this is like the Americans later on when we were, uh, you know, had, we're at the airport waiting to fly back. Uh, we actually looked up the tail number and it was a flight school flying directly over Mar-a-Lago <laughs> at like a yeah. hundred feet up. Like a hundred yeah. feet up, so like it was someone learning to fly over Mar-a-Lago, <laughs> and we both thought to ourselves, "This is absolutely insane, right?" Like we know the president's not here, but like, come on. <laughs> well, we talked to Torini, who did the article about uh, Ari Rikus, and she Ari Rinkus, and she went down to Palm Beach and hung out at Frigates, the bar that they all go to. It sounds like within five minutes, Mar-a-Lago came to her, and. That's sort of what this story sounds like, too. Like, you don't have to really try. Mar-a-Lago will come find you. You don't have to go to Mar-a-Lago. <laughs> it's, um, it's not the hardest thing in the world to get, gain number one, gain access to these places, and number two, uh, just sort of poke around. When we were in, um, the final place we went was his national golf course, which is 40 minutes away from the White House. And we drove onto the parking lot. Um, uh, the guard... There was a guard, I think, in a, in, a, um, in a golf cart, and he was totally asleep. So we just drove onto the parking lot, scanned the Wi-Fi, and then drove out. I mean, is this why Jared is pushing the Russians to use their secure communications? Because they have no idea how to do it themselves? Like, what the hell? Outsourcing? Yeah, that's a good question. <laughs> I mean, the president does have, like, he does have a tent. Although this president doesn't seem to use it, Obama was a huge fan of the tent that they would set up when they went to overseas. So they would say it's like kind of like camping. If he needs to make a phone call, every, all the aides have to set up this huge tent, and then they have um, phones. There's like a you can buy like a, a thirty-five thousand dollar phone that comes in this sweet case that the president can use um, uh, that has Wi-Fi and the yeah, other Verizon logo or whatever. And they do use it at, at Mar-a-Lago. They do use the, like they have, Cisco makes like a $70,000 piece, piece of video equipment that they did use at least once at Mar-a-Lago. Although they let someone in with a cell phone take a picture, so that kind of defeated the whole entire thing. Um, but, uh, you know, he does travel with those, and it's unclear whether or not his iPhone actually connects to that um, secure Wi-Fi or if he's just connecting to whatever uh, Wi-Fi he has around. Now that he's switched to iPhone, it looks like. I mean, do you need security if the president's like, oh, I will tell you myself? Right. <laughs> like, honestly, the thing, the, the thing I'm more scared of than even that is that all of this stuff becomes... It just validates how weak everything is. So, like, even the, like, script kiddies who 
previously would be like, oh, we won't mess with anything to do with the U.S. government are going to be like, oh, I'm just, I have this like kind of weird virus thing. Let me just try it against them also. These days you guys, you know what I mean? Like, I think like that's what's actually happening right now. I don't know how much worse it is than it used to be, but we're definitely making it, people feel, I'm sure, more encouraged to do so. Also, I mean, the issue is really like, basically, the fact is that in theory, the president is traveling in this, with a secure communication suite. And so he would be using that infrastructure for his communications, whether he does that or not, you know, it seems unclear, but let's say he is for argument's sake. The, the problem is that he's conducting all this business in these places that are really insecure. And I think in addition to the script kitties, I mean, I, it just seems really likely that there's no uh, nation state espionage network that hasn't already infiltrated these places. I mean, definitely all the security experts we talked to said Obviously, you, ProPublica, were the last ones in, right? Everyone else is already in. <laughs> if you got there, that's a sign that they're all in. And what that really means is that all the president's associates can be owned. And that's actually a pretty big deal because, um, you know, you, as long as you get one person's communications, you know, you can jump your way into other parts of the system. Or, or if Trump speaks to those persons directly, that's a lot of information. So yes, he does seem to be chatty, but there's probably a lot more that is being picked up uh, by these communications. Uh, It's just unbelievable. Um, Maureen and I have talked a lot about doing this show from a boat outside Mar-a-Lago. And so the the main thing that I want to know, is it as beautiful as it seems like it is? Is it really classy? I don't know about classy. It's definitely expensive. (laughs) (laughs) It's 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 kind of like interesting when you're when you're on the boat and going down and these houses on either side. I've never seen like such a like handcrafted like landscape, you know. Where it's like ah yes, I see why this is beautiful and why there's why it's cool, but it's like wow, there's who lives here? Like and what is their story? Because this feels so like kind of man-made and weird and then the president is just there like after these few houses it just it's very disorienting it doesn't make any sense to me i guess we know who lives there just spies <laughs> yeah, right, 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 right. Uh, this is amazing this article is is walks such an incredible line of being both just so jaw-droppingly entertaining and terrifying at the same time um Thank you all for for working on it and for coming and joining us today. Thanks for having me. Thanks. Oh my god. That was amazing. Oh. I mean that was everything. That was more than I hoped it would be. <laughs> the hats. The hats. <laughs> the hats. Everything. Uh. It was. Honestly, I feel like all roads are leading to Florida. They are. I mean, their fate lies in Florida, Maureen. Yeah. Florida has always, you know, I feel like Florida has a, in, in 2000, Florida, you know, spelled our destiny. Florida spells our destiny. But as and again with one final tie-in, we have a little bit of Disney news. Uh, we do. Apparently, shit is getting real at the Hall of Presidents. 
It sure is. I so flash all the way back to election night, Maureen. Uh, we did a live broadcast. Uh, when the broadcast ended was really when it became very clear that 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 the election was not going the way anyone thought. And uh, you signed off. My son had been helping run our election map uh, on our live feed. Um, and he turned to me with tears in his eyes and said, the Hall of Presidents is going to be ruined forever. And like that was still the saddest uh, thing. Both, I know, as a parent and also as someone that really likes the Hall of Presidents. Um, yeah, the Hall of Presidents, which for those of you that don't know, is a uh, at Disney World, a um, an attraction where they have every president as a robot and it is amazing in the most cheesy ridiculous but because they're so good at storytelling kind of rousing and beautiful way possible and uh the centerpiece of it is the barack obama robot who they you know they build this big story about freedom and all of this and then he gives a a a bit of a robot speech and they close the Hall of Presidents uh, after an election if there is a new president because they have to add the new president robot in. And so they they close the Hall of Presidents uh, in mid-January. My family actually tried really hard to figure out if we could afford a quick trip to Disney World uh, before they closed it. But uh, they we couldn't. So um, they closed it and it's supposed to reopen. And suddenly there are all of these whispers coming like leaks coming from the Disney Imagineers that they are uh, considering uh, revamping the Hall of Presidents so that Donald Trump does not speak. Oh, <laughs> uh, I I'm just smiling. I'm just looking at the ceiling and smiling. Uh yeah, they may return it back to its uh, pre-1990s state where the only speaking presidents were George Washington and Abraham Lincoln. Yep. So, thank you, Disney. Yeah, keep it going. Yeah. Consider just, you know, revamp the whole thing. It's uh, so upsetting to the children when he threatens to grab their moms or their any parents' pussy, yeah. you know, just upsetting robot pussy grabbing is not a thing that anyone needs no one wants that no one, no one no wants, wants that them. no one wants that in their disney trip eating a dole whip you know riding the oh. you know big thunder mountain then going and watching a robot talking about pussy grabbing it's just no one needs that you know there's there's one last thing today dan um and we've been getting a lot of emails which we read and we deeply deeply appreciate um we we wanted to read this one because we thought this was this is sort of a an interactive Sezhuvian feature. We thought you might want to know about this one, and there's a it's a mystery that we can all solve together. So here is the email, and uh, I've redacted uh, uh, some of the information uh, just so that there are no identifiers in this. Hi, Maureen and Dan. I'm writing to let you know that apparently Trump clubs are a thing. I work at a small public library, and lately a group of patrons has started a group with the aim of, quote, supporting our president in achieving his agenda, end quote. 
What does this mean, you ask? We have no idea. I had the delightful pleasure of witnessing one of these gatherings today. I'm told they had more people at their first meeting, but they probably had about 10 to 15 people at this one. They were all wearing red. Some of them came armed with binders full of what I can only assume were copies of their manifesto. They found a flag in our storage closet and dragged it out to do the Pledge of Allegiance. After that, we couldn't see or hear much other than a PowerPoint with Patrick Henry quotes. We're trying to rope one of our friends into infiltrating the group, but no luck so (laughs) far. In the middle of this, another patron, who I don't think knew about the meeting, came to our desk holding Don Quixote and gave us an impassioned speech on the beauty of the Spanish language. So, have you guys heard of these groups popping up elsewhere? What could they possibly be talking about? They met for two hours. What are they planning? Any theories would be much appreciated. Oh, my God. Wow. Trump Wow. Club. I mean, first of all, God bless libraries. Oh, yeah. You know, you like 10 wacky people in some town and you want to have your Trump club and the public library, all of which funding is being threatened to be cut by Trump is like, yep, come on in. We got space. Yep. We've even got a flag in our storage closet. We'll help you out. You can do your PowerPoint with your Patrick Henry quotes. What is going on here? So, well, I guess our questions are, have you seen any Trump clubs? Uh, they Are they also meeting in your libraries or any other public spaces? Do you have any theories on what they might be doing? Uh, let us know. Uh, we could, uh, this is, uh, we'd like to maybe get to the bottom of this one. This seems like, Maybe something we can solve. So um, if you have any any information, please do get in touch. Uh. I mean, it sounds like Trump Club might be harder to infiltrate than Mar-a-Lago. <laughs> Certainly probably the network is more secure. Although I, I bet if one of us got a hat. If you got a hat. Oh. Uh. God, the hat, Maureen. So my neighbor across the street neighbor was doing um, some yard work this weekend. It's been actually really beautiful weather in Chicago this weekend. And he had a red hat on. Oh. And I walked out with my dog and I was like. <gasps> and I like. It took a moment for my eyes to focus in and realize like, oh, wait, there's like a little circle thing and like it's not a Trump hat. But I realized this dude broke red hats. Yeah, red. I'm super nervous about that. And I live in, in Manhattan and there's nobody going to be wearing a Make right. America Great Again hat in Manhattan. Yeah. I'm, but anyone with a red hat, I have this moment of like. <gasps> I'm down in Pennsylvania now visiting my family and um, this, you know, I'm. Uh, there were definitely, there are, I am, I know for a fact that there are Trump voters all around me. I know who they are in some cases. And I walk around with a visible twitch. Real nervous, Dan. Real nervous. It's all right. We're all going to get through it. But, uh, you know, everybody is, I feel like we're, we're, we're going through the various stages of grief and shock together. And, um, you know, we've been so, and I I do think, I I am going to 
make a prediction about the next two weeks is that they are going to be completely bananas. Um, because he's back. He's upset. He's tired. He's cranky. Jared's been named. Comey's going to testify. I mean, he's going to either he's going to have to play golf for 14 days straight, which still doesn't calm him down. No, and in fact, he had a golf weekend planned on this Sunday. I got a I got an FAA flight um flight notification, and uh, it got canceled. So like, oh, shit's real enough he that also, he actually had to not go golfing. Oh, I didn't know he canceled his golf outing. Yeah, he was supposed to go yesterday. Did not. Oh, he could also have ten days of poop in him. Oh, damn. Just saying. Just saying, Maureen. That's a real backup. Oh, oh, so upsetting. Well, on that note, uh, we hope you're doing well. Um, please do let us know if you if you know what's going on with Trump Club. We're very curious. And maybe maybe you've been on a boat outside Mar-a-Lago. Maybe you have a hat. We'd like to hear about all of it. And we would indeed. Yep, yeah, you can uh, you can always reach us at says who. Podcast? Wait, we're at Super <laughs> Podcast on Twitter, right? Yes, we are. I don't know what anything is. That. Don't. <laughs> Look, I don't know. You saw the Pinterest debacle, which we were says underscore W for a while, and then I got says, I mean, come on. What do you want? Technology's hard. Just ask the Trump organization. We're at uh, you can reach us at says who podcast on Twitter. Uh, you can reach us on you can find us on Pinterest at slash says who podcast. <laughs> you can find us on Facebook at slash says who podcast. And if you would like to send an email, you can send one to hey, H-E-Y at says who podcast dot com. And maybe someday you'll be able to find us just sitting on a boat outside Mar-a-Lago bobbing gently in the water. Uh. It just, like, in addition to, it just really does sound nice. Oh, yeah, it's nice. It does also sound like you go down to, to Palm Beach and they just, it crawls out and finds you. Just, you don't have to look very hard. It's like when you when you land at Las Vegas and there's slot machines at the airport. And there's, a you know, a big ad for where to buy a machine gun. You know, you don't have to look very hard. It's true. It'd be nice. It'd be nice to be on a boat. Like anywhere. I would love to just be chilling on a boat. I love boats. Let's go on a boat. Boatcast. I don't spend enough time on boats. I know. We should get a, that boatcast. Uh, listen, when we go to Disney World, I'm telling you, we just stay, like, we just ride around on uh, Pirates of the Caribbean. I think our trip is going to be, I mean, we're really going to have to plan it out carefully. Um, I will, you know, we will have a lot of photos. Every second will be, there'll be a photo. Yes. Oh, <laughs> most definitely. Uh, I think about our trip to Disney a lot. I think about it more than I should. We're going to have the app and like the, you know, the di we'll get the Disney credit card, you know, just to get the hats and uh, uh, just, we've already mapped out where the coffee is. So we know that like, we, we're starting to get it together. We're ready. Uh, our next episode which may deal with some of these very topics. Maybe. Is going to be June 14th. That's in two weeks, June 14th. You can subscribe to Says Who on iTunes. 
And if you do, you should also write a review because those are super duper helpful and you should give it some stars um, if you would like to give it stars. We do appreciate those types of reviews and things like that. They are incredibly helpful. It, you know, it don't cost nothing. It don't. It don't cost nothing. Don't cost nothing. No mattresses in a box. Help us out. Yeah. What, I feel like we should. I mean, we, we haven't attracted a sponsor yet. So uh, uh, Blue Apron. Um do you want your food in a box? <laughs> and you open the box. So Blue Apron is this, you get the food in a box and then you open the box and then you, there's lots of little things in the box, like little bottles and stuff. And then you make the food at home and you can make like fish or a sauce and you eat at home. And it's, how am I doing? We can book that flight right now get that boat we just made that money blue apron your food is in a box and then you open your door and there's a box and there's a little box there's the boxes inside the box and then you cook your own food and you pay for it it costs money blue apron a box it's food in a box our theme music is they didn't pay for that by... they didn't pay for that <laughs> that was that was purely uh because you love the product so much i've never tried it i <laughs> I don't want my food to come in a box. And I'll tell you something else. I don't like a lot of their recipes. Um, I've looked up a bunch of them and they're okay, but I don't think the selection's very good. And um but Blue Apron, um, the selection doesn't look that good, but people seem to like it and it comes in a box. Are we gonna get sponsorships? I think so. They're lining up. But they are lining up. You know what sponsors love? profanity and politics well they're big fans yeah you get it's food in a box come on blue apron you do everybody everybody i, I your commercial runs through my head at night while i'm trying to sleep <laughs> uh our theme music is performed by ted leo he is wonderful our old says who logo is designed by Darth. Darth. That is at Darth on Twitter. Darth. Love you, Darth. Darth. We really, really do. Do you think Darth uh, gets again, Blue Apron? I don't think Darth gets Blue Apron. Darth, Darth, Darth is a red panda. First of all, Darth, Darth just gets little niblets. He likes French fries. Darth likes French fries. That's true. And I don't think, you know, French fries aren't going to, in a box, they're not going to, it's not going to be a good thing. Blue no. Apron is food in a box. I got it. I got to try harder with this. I think I'm doing all right, though. I think I think we, we've got this made in the shade. Can't get Dole Whip in a box. There's a lot of stuff I want to eat that isn't going to transport well. And that's a lot in of spare. Box. It's a lot of spare packaging. <laughs> Again, our next episode is going to be June 14th. I mean, just go to the and... store. Just go to the store. It's not that hard. <laughs> it's true. I enjoy going to the store. This actually, a I think lot. it's much better to pick out your own food, at, you know, but whatever. If you want, I guess try Blue Apron. Sorry, go on. Yeah. Uh, from my basement in Chicago, I'm Dan Sinker. I cook a lot and it's, <laughs> I just think that, I don't know. I, a lot of the vegetarian recipes that they have, it's just a lot of eggs and I don't like eggs. Anyway, I'm Maureen Johnson, and I'm not in a ba I'm not in my closet. I'm in a uh, front upstairs bedroom in Pennsylvania. 
Wow, that was very specific. Mm. Well, I wanted people to know. And the nice thing is here, I get in the car to go to sit home in, in New York. I have to either, I walk to the grocery store. I got to carry a lot of stuff. It's heavy. It's actually really hard to go physically go grocery shopping and bring things home. So you have it delivered or, but I've picked it out. And then here I get in the car and I go to the grocery store and I can buy whatever and just put it in the car and drive it home. And it feels very luxurious to have like a, just to be able to put it in the ba- in a car and drive it is a big, it's a real luxury for me. So, I mean, if anybody was going to use Blue Apron where the food comes to your door in a box, it's going to be me. And I'm not even that interested, but I don't know. It's a better way to cook. Why not? Get it. Try it. Oh, yeah? Says who? We don't have a promo code. I mean, it would probably, that would probably be our promo code. Put it in. It might work. It's not going to work. 